is the Parenting for Faith podcast from BRF Ministries. Parenting for Faith exists to help you help the children and teens in your life to meet and to know God. We do this through online events, courses and resources. And you can find out more at parentingforfaith.org. Hello and welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin. I'm your host and part of the team here at Parenting for Faith. This is episode 14 of season seven, and we're going to be talking about arguing and disagreeing with your children. Now, that might be something that never, ever happens in your life. You can listen for a friend if you like. Um, But I think most of us find at one point or another, we have different opinions to our children and we might have different ways of expressing those. So we thought this would be a really interesting topic to dig into. And I had a great conversation with Rachel Turner. Those of you who don't know Rachel, she is the founder of Parenting for Faith. If you watch any of our original courses and lots of our videos and other resources, um, you'll hear from her. She's just got a really brilliant way of unpacking things, explaining them. So we're going to go over to that in a moment. Um, But I hope you're all doing okay. I'm aware this is the season of Christmas parties, of carol concerts and jumper days and Christmas dinners. Um, And I just want to say, keep going. I hope that uh, you are doing all right with all of that. We're all in it together and it's really easy to feel like you're getting a bit lost in the madness of the season. Um, But I just pray over you now that you would know God's peace and that you'd be able to connect with him even in the midst of all that crazy. So let's hear what Rachel had to say now about arguing. So I am joined today by the wonderful Rachel Turner. For those of you who don't know, Rachel Turner started Parenting for Faith a million years ago, all on her own, in her local church context. (laughs) (laughs) When she was merely five years old. You actually were quite young, to be fair. I was. Um, But Rachel is a lot of the brains behind Parenting for Faith. God uh, really gave her a vision to quit parents and carers and the rest of us have been running with it for a while. And as you know, we like to get Rachel back for tricky topics. And one of the things you guys wanted to hear about was arguing with your kids. What do you do when your kids disagree with you? Um, How do you feel about that as a parent? How do you talk to God about it? How do you, all those kind of things. And uh, so we thought we'd chat to Rachel about it. So this is not because we think she's a particularly argumentative person, or I just want to clear that up right now. Thanks. Appreciate that. Great. Great. Uh, It's just because we think you can deal with anything. So This does happen. Sometimes as Christians, we pretend it doesn't, that our children just agree with everything we think forever. But we're going to hit this at some point, right? Whether it's with a toddler or a teenager or everything in between, you come up against stuff where you think, ah, we are not on the same page. How do we start approaching that and looking at that? Well... I would suggest it's a really big, vague question that I think we sometimes see as this big thing. It's like, oh, I wish my children were just obedient and did what I wanted all the time. But I'm not 100% sure we actually want that because that at the core of us isn't our desire for parenting. Our goal is not just to have mindless children who do whatever we tell them to all the time. Our, Our goal of parenting 
is to stretch and grow and help these kids form their own internal sense of who they are and what is right and wrong and how to manage themselves in a broken world and how to love God. And so we're, we're parenting for a purpose. And, and when we come across an argument or when we notice that we say something and they have a differing opinion, that I see as an opportunity to continue to grow our kids rather than a now power struggle of trying to win an argument. Because I think arguments are a lot of the times not actually about what it looks like on the front. You ask your kid to do something, they don't want to do it. And our first thought is they're resisting my authority, but it could be about a bajillion things. And so for me, this whole talk topic about how we argue well um, is a lot more than just uh, how do we convince our kids to do what we want? It's It's how do we parent our kids to be who they're called to be when they hit a conflict with us? Yeah. Okay. And I can see that for some parents, she says, I know a friend. <laughs> You're sure. Yes. What does your friend think? Uh, um, that maybe sometimes some of this is to do with the fact that an argument is very public, like the point where it arises, the point where you're having a conflict with a child is somewhere you're stressed or you're busy or you're out with other people. And I completely hear what you're saying about forming their character and thinking about the purpose. And But sometimes in the moment, we're just like, ah, I just want this to stop and you to comply or not to make a massive scene. Or I'd be really interested in how you suggest we kind of frame that and take an opportunity. So maybe when you've uh, responded in a way that you regret slightly or think you could have done a little bit differently or um yeah or if you do just decide to like deep breath we're not going to deal with this now but you want to pick that back up you've seen that opportunity that you described okay here's an opportunity we're disagreeing on something or there's some conflict or i want to make sure i address that and not just forget it how would you start thinking about framing that Okay, so my suggestion is let's take a, let's take an example. Yeah. So there's an example of a really simple, what sometimes we term an argument when we're dealing with particularly younger kids. We're trying to get out of the house to go to school. Trying to get out of the house, you've asked them to do something, they don't want to do something, and at this point, you're like, we're going to be late. Like we're just we're just you're just looking for obedience. You've asked them to do something, they haven't done something, they're resisting. Uh, and so there are times in parenting where it is just like. I, we just all need to get out. We just all need to do something. Uh, but my question becomes then, sometimes we'll notice these behaviors repetitively. Sometimes we'll notice that they're really struggling with something that shouldn't be. And what you notice then is what they're struggling with is autonomy uh, of like, am I in charge of myself or are you in charge of me? They're struggling with feeling not connected to you. They're struggling with uh, not feeling trusted to do what you ask them to do. There are a lot of arguments, particularly with middle schoolers, are... Um, you know, I did, you know, you asked me to do it. I was going to do it. And then now you told me to do it. And now I'm mad because you told me to do the thing that I was already going to do. And so some, sometimes there's stuff underneath it. And so if you're noticing crunchy points, crunching moments that, that it happens in public repetitively around food, or it happens repetitively when you're trying to get out of the house, the question becomes to pause 
sometimes in the moment, if you've got time, if not later, and say, what is going on underneath the behavior? Because often kids don't have the language to communicate what they're actually thinking or feeling. And it's our job to come along and add language to that. And so to later sit down with one of your kids and say, it looks like we're really struggling to get out of the house. And when I say, please put on your shoes, um, sometimes you get upset that I'm asking you quickly or that you have to be rushed. And it looks to me like you don't like to be rushed. Um, what does it feel like when I ask you to do something quickly? Or um, you you then dig out of them that they want to do it themselves. And you notice that they're the ones who wanted to go try to find the shoes. And so you have this big conversation later about saying, what is our ideal getting out of the house scenario for you? What does getting out of the house peacefully look like for you? And you you talk about it. You try to understand their point of view first, I find really helpful in an argument because most arguments are two people trying to express themselves and be understood. And it's our job as parents to try to actually understand what's going on to our kids. So by the time you finish asking questions, you should be able to say, oh, I understand. When we're trying to get out of the house, you are sad because you thought we were going to play and you didn't know that we were leaving. So you were surprised. And then I was telling you to do four things and you felt overwhelmed. And so you were trying to slow everybody down because you were feeling too rushed and that made you feel upset. I understand why you would feel that way. The second thing to do is to explain the scenario. So often we communicate for obedience rather than communicate for understanding. And if my goal is for you to manage yourself, I want you to understand why we're rushing to sit down and say, it's really important that we're on time because it means that we're there for the hellos. It means that we can start our school with our brains ready to go rather than feeling rushed and upset. It means that um, we're being faithful to what we said we would do and showing up when we say we're going to show up is a big, important thing. And so now they understand the values behind why you're saying go rather than just the emotion of you being mad at them because they're not moving fast enough. And then you get on the same team. So how can we make sure you feel peaceful getting out of the house? And I can make sure that we all are ready and peaceful for school and they're on time. And then we're on the same team finding a solution. It could be that we need to start getting ready earlier. And so how are we going to set a timer or how are we going to have a tick list or what are we going to do so that you can be ready in the way that you like being ready and I can still get us there on time because it's my job to take care of us. And we are then on the same team problem solving for an argument in the future. So to me, an argument is a big red flag that says that we need a conversation later or we need a conversation now because an argument is just when it gets, when it gets emotional for two people because we have competing values in the moment. And, um, and then our kids can figure out they need longer time. So you can give the 10 minute warning and uh, that's when everyone who wants a longer time to get ready goes. And then we have a five minute warning for all the last minute people who don't care. Uh, We're just trying to proactively problem solve our family. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) And you've explained that beautifully. (laughs) And I love to think that all of us would be able to do something like that. But the reality is in arguments, in these clashes, in these disagreements, whatever, sometimes we as parents say or do things that we feel bad about afterwards, or our child says or does things that hurts us. And they either feel bad about it, or we think they should feel bad about it. (laughs) Um, And I have heard people frame this in terms of 
you know, that's that's sin and that hurts God as well. And, you know, some kind of language around that. I'm interested what you think about that whole area of when we hurt each other, just as part of that process of two people expressing emotions and, and not quite getting on the same team. How do we go about making that right? And where does God come into that? Because I think that can get very... Um, there can be quite a tangled view and it's easy for us to give a view of God in that that's maybe not helpful for our children. I think it's a, a really good question. For me, I think sometimes we try to cram everything into the same conversation. And um, that's why I think it's really important. We have the, I want to understand you and I want you to understand me and let's get on the same page because then the God part of it comes into that. I think sometimes we try to deal with the sin part of it first and then have the practical conversation. But to me, the bringing our hearts together often is the first one to say, let me understand what was that like for you? Because often we'll come with our challenge first. You hurt me when you said this, that was not okay that you use those words. And we're, we're trying to sort out the sin first without the understanding first. And I think so often when we come to God, we come because we feel loved, we come because we feel understood, and we apologize out of that connection uh, when we come to God to reconnect with Him. And I think that's a really good model for, for us. And so to come together and say, I feel like I didn't do that very well. And I want to understand what your words were trying to say, because I had a lot of emotion coming and I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to you very well. Tell me again how you were feeling. Oh, that's interesting. Let them feel understood. And then when you say, I just want to apologize for how I handled that, because I, I want to be the most like Jesus I can be. And I feel I was letting my emotions decide what words I said rather than letting my Jesus heart of love of God say what words I was saying. And I want to apologize for that because I'm not perfect yet and I'm still growing. And so I'm sorry about that. And so I think there's the modeling of that can be really imp important in terms of that's where that's where I notice the sin conversation coming in is often talking about my sin rather than trying to force you to talk about your sin. Uh, and so when I can talk about my sin, then I can say that that wasn't it. Have you ever felt like that? And often your kids can then say, yeah, that was me too. Um, and then I can say, will you forgive me? And they can say, will you forgive me? And we get there. But if we're trying to force sin conversations, what you end up feeling is that it, it, we're using it almost manipulatively uh, rather than um, saying this genuinely is is the walk of a of a human who's a sinful person is I need to be aware of when I I I used my words to hurt somebody else and that's not okay that that isn't God's heart for other people um, and how to how to get out of that and how to reconcile for that mm. um, yes because I I find the whole concept of sin a really important way that we talk about it and if we talk about it like sin is kicking God in the shins, then then we're saying your little burst of emotion is making the God of the universe really, really angry at you, rather than we're called to just be filled with God's love. And sometimes we forget that in our emotion and that's not okay. And so we can, I've asked forgiveness from God. I also want to ask forgiveness from you. And we model what that looks like. Mm. And you've got a really helpful analogy. I found this a really good way of explaining to children. Um, I'll post a link in the show notes called Sandpits and Sin. Um, and that's um, from Parenting Children for a Life of Faith, the Omnibus book. You mentioned something there too about um, that kind of key message of 
I'm not finished yet. You know, there can be this sense of as the parent, you feel like you're supposed to be in control, or at least you want your child to perceive you that way, maybe in some situations. But one of the kind of key messages in Parenting Children for a Life of Confidence is all about, you know, we all play a small part in God's big plan and I'm not finished yet. I'm just playing my part. How Do you have any other kind of tips on how to communicate that in these kind of situations? Well, for... For me with arguments, well, with anything in this conflict scenario, is that I I often advocate telling kids, I don't expect you to be perfect. I, I really don't. And and I can't expect me to be perfect because I'm not finished yet. I'm still growing. So we have two people who are not going to be perfect. And that's okay. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. But the point is that the goal of us is for me to be peaceful and in charge of myself and you be peaceful in charge of yourself and we can get out of the house and we can do this together. And I'm going to make mistakes and you're going to make mistakes and we get to help each other. That's a wonderful thing. And so I don't expect you to be perfect. And therefore, when we challenge each other and when we argue... And when we say, right, we're going to try it differently, then we've got to have grace that I'm looking for progress, not perfection. That's that's like a huge thing. So even if your kid is still stressed the next day, but did start three minutes late of the 10 minute warning, but that's two minutes ahead of when they started before, then we celebrate that, oh, you tried a little bit further ahead this time. Did that reduce the amount of stress you had? And, um, and this time I tried taking four deep breaths because I knew, because you shared with me, and I really appreciate you sharing your information, that you don't like being rushed. And I realized my voice makes you feel rushed. So I tried to breathe. Did that help this time? And that we are helping each other as we both progress in our ability to uh, take care and take consideration of each other in this process. So the the whole idea of progress, not perfection, and you're going to make mistakes. And that doesn't mean that I expect you to be perfect next time. It means I just expect us to try to progress. And sometimes we'll try something and it won't work. And that's okay because we're on the same page. We're on the same team trying to figure this out together. Mm. And it's actually really helpful to reinforce that, isn't it? So much of life is do better, be better, then there'll be acceptance. It's trying to model and explain some of that gospel message as part of it. Yeah. Okay. So slightly different tack now. Um, yeah. We talk a lot about questions to spark an interesting conversation and curious questions to understand what kids are feeling and just ways to open up, you know, when you're looking at Bible passage, what what does this look like? And it means different things to different people. So we're going to hear at some point our kids having a different view to us. So either maybe on some key theological issue or maybe just a different interpretation of a Bible passage. So it's not so much a, you know, outburst of emotion and people hurting each other or that kind of thing. It's just a, oh, my kid has opinions and they're different to mine. And I think they're wrong because I've thought about this for ages. And, you know, this is why I've got to where I've got to. Um, Yeah. I just wondered if you had any advice on how to handle that. Uh, I think there's two branches here that maybe we should take in two different approaches. One is uh, your kids growing up and wants more freedom or disagrees with what you think in terms of the world. Like, you're like, I'm not a big Halloween fan. And they're like, but I really want to go to a Halloween party or uh, that sort of natural them almost disagreeing with your Christian parenting approach. And then you have the theology of being on different sides of the theology. And I think sometimes we lump them together and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think they're the same thing. And so um, let's let's deal with the difference of 
parenting thing is, is you've laid down a rule and they disagree with your rule, um, whether it be that we all need to be ready 15 minutes before we leave, or that is we don't do Halloween, or whether that is um, we go to church every Sunday, whatever your rule is, mm-hmm. uh, I think there will be times where they they push up against that. And I think that's, that's to me, some of the best parenting opportunities we have, because it means they're they're thinking about stuff and we either shut down their thinking about it, which means that they're thinking about life in general stops and their focus of the argument becomes the control we have over them. And I I don't want that to be what he's thinking about. I want kids to be thinking about, uh, is this scriptural? How do I engage with the world? And, and so for me, if, if the control is what they're kicking up against, they're not actually doing the growth in the thinking that I want them to do to figure out what the world is like. And so when you come up against that, it's a brilliant opportunity to go back to the, that's really interesting. Tell me what your view is of it and and let them talk and let them explain to you, make your case is something I often encourage parents to say, make your case, like, like tell me, tell me what you think and what's important. Uh, and then go for the okay this is this is where i'm coming from i'm open to having this conversation uh this is my view of it uh what do you think about that view where do you see holes in my view where do you disagree with those things and have that conversation of saying i understand your case you understand my case uh and so therefore address my concerns that's what i want to hear and so it can be really helpful particularly in that tween to well you can do it for you know seven-year-olds and up really uh well seven's not a firm thing but once they start really like getting how to argue um to say you know these are my these are my concerns i'm concerned that i don't feel it's scriptural my concern is um you know that this isn't a safe environment for you those are my concerns so tell me how your view engages with those concerns and make them do the hard work I've known kids give PowerPoints to their parents of like, you will say that these are the things that you disagree with, but aha, uh-huh, there is these five scripture verses that I read about this. Here's a blog from a Christian author that you like that says something different. Uh, there, These are the ways that I will keep myself safe. And this is the times where I will decide that I made the wrong decision. And that as a parent, you can say, great, that's what I want to see. I want to know that you're not just going to stick with your decision because you made it, but that you're going to be calm enough to say, you know what, I think I was wrong and come back and, you know, make your case. And then I can go back and forth because my job is to not just enforce my control. My job is to help you grow and strengthen and figure out how to think and operate in the world. And so an argument is an invitation into growing them into the next stage of that. And feel free to put boundaries and say, I'm not up for that, but I'm up for really interesting conversations in here that is going to be uncomfortable. But therefore, an argument isn't, this is what I think, do it or don't do it. And an argument is is you have something different than I think. And there are some things I care about, your safety, the biblicalness of life and something, whatever your things are, but I want to hear you and I could be wrong. So let's talk. And so inviting into a discussion means that I understand you, you understand me, and we're on the same team finding a solution together. That. Yeah, that's super helpful. And the other one? (laughs) The other one is where do we land when we're theologically apart? And that, I guess, is the same similar 
your thing, which is I, my job is to grow, stretch, and help you figure out how to navigate life, the world, and God. And uh, and I start with me understanding you and you understanding me and us being on the same page. But I think we have a lot we have a lot of fear around both of these scenarios when kids are challenging our parenting because we already think that we're terrible parents. Uh, we have this guilt that can trigger oh so quickly. So as soon as our kid says, I think you're doing it wrong, we're like inside. One, how dare you? Uh, second of all, you're probably right. So uh, there's there's this whole thing that can happen inside of us on, on a challenge. Theologically, then we're this really big fear because we want our kids to love God and know God and how to respond to him. When our kid says, I theologically am different from you, we're like, I really don't want you to mess around with the spirit, spiritual stuff. Like that's really, 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 really important. And so often our emotions are so high that we stop listening to our kids and we're like, no, we cannot uh, do this. And it's the same, it's the same process. We just have to acknowledge it. We're gonna be way more emotional sometimes about the spiritual because we know how important it is. We know how important it is. My job is to stretch and grow and help my kids and in their internal processes and them having to deal with my emotions and my um inability to hear them is not gonna be the best way to help them. So you can say, God and faith is really important to me. And it's really important that I hear you right now. And you may be seeing emotion on my face, but that's just because this is something that's really important to me. But I want you to know I want to hear you. So don't pay attention to my face. I want to hear and understand your words. And so talk to me about this. Where have you come to this? How have you come to this decision? You know, that's really interesting. I love how you look to the Bible for that. And your job is to understand them. And you can say, they, well, theologically, this is where I am on it, and this is how I discovered that, but I'm really open to learning more. And I think that's a really important thing, particularly with teenagers, is that they hear that you're not saying, I have a completely and totally firmed up everything I believe, and I know everything, and you don't. But what you're trying to model is, I am a Christian who is constantly going on the process of holding up my thoughts, behaviors, and beliefs to scripture and to the teaching I've been given. And some bits I may be wrong on, and I'm constantly learning how to do that. And so, yeah, talk to me about it. Convince me of it. Teach me about it. Because then you can sit and go, you know, I thought about it. I wrestled with it. I think I'm still landing here because of this scripture and this scripture. But that's that's really interesting that you said that. I'm going to go away and think about that. And then you are co-disciples or you are side-by-side -side people saying, I really want to figure out where God is in this. And I'm not more important than you. I'm not uh, smarter than you. I am a disciple who's open to getting new information. And I can model for you how to take in information and agree with it and reject it and process it and take it to God. And I'm going to live it in front of you. And so it becomes not about how can I control what you think. It becomes how can I walk alongside of you in this question and this struggle. And we know from faith development, that having someone walk alongside of you in wrestling with this is way more important to you spiritually than someone who comes alongside, says, I completely have the right answer uh, and you're wrong. And I'm going to convince you that you're wrong. Um, not a lot of people respond well to that. And um, we often feel the need to. Uh, I often suggest that you treat your teenagers like you would treat a colleague at work when it comes to faith, because 
Otherwise, we're like, I'm your parent and you will believe this. Uh, but if it's a colleague at the side, you're like, great, we're having a spiritual conversation and I'll tell you clearly what I believe, but I'm really open to hearing what you think. And we already know how to walk alongside people gently in their faith. It's just when it's our kids, we really struggle with it, particularly when they get older. And I suggest you have that gentleness with them because it's not an argument. It's me helping you to grow and believe. It's me understanding you, you understanding me and us being on the same page to find a solution together. That is so helpful. I need to go away and think about that and I need to listen to it again. If you found that helpful too, um, please share this episode. Send it to a friend right now, post it on your church's Facebook page, whatever it might be. Because I don't think many of us are scrolling through being like, I really need some teaching and advice on arguing. That's the thing I'm going to Google. Um, but I think all of us can apply that to our kids, you know, extended family, people in our church, colleagues. It's, it's actually really broad um, and that's been so helpful. So thank you very much. Thank you. We like to end our podcast with a question to ask your kid to spark an interesting conversation. This week's question is, what's the most ridiculous thing you've ever had an argument about? Have a great conversation. We will be back next week talking about bereavement and loss. And if you've got a moment, we would really, really appreciate it if you could rate or review this podcast. Um, and whatever platform you're listening on, there should be an option to click where it says Parenting for Faith podcast. Uh, leave us a number of stars. Five is obviously of our favourite if you're not sure what to put. But um, whatever you genuinely think and just a little comment about what you found helpful. Would you recommend it? That kind of thing. It will take you 30 seconds and it makes a massive difference to us reaching more people and uh, yeah, people being able to access this free resource. So we would love you to do that if you've got a moment. See you next week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.